how difficult or how challenging is this trying to figure out now that the state's allowing reopening, the counties are reopening, the city's reopening, how much of a challenge is it now to figure out when can activities, workouts, stuff kind of begin? Sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things we have to take into account a lot of factors. Um, and, and we are, you know, taking in information from all those organizations that you've talked about. Um, the National Federation actually put out some additional guidelines uh, yesterday as far as, as returning to activities and things. And so it's kind of one of those that, um, you know, we want to get our kids back in activities, definitely, uh, for a whole variety of reasons. Uh, it, but the other side of it is, is also we want to do that in a, in a safe and a, in a, in a measured manner. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there's been discussion amongst our conferences, you know, so that uh, schools are consistent, at least along conference lines. Um, you know, the Suburban Conference has put out some guidelines, the MEC uh, superintendents and everything have met. And we've, you know, there have been discussions about what those dates look like and everything. And so, we do have some dates, um, you know, that we're looking at at earliest possible. And when I say earliest possible, that means that we definitely won't do anything before, but that date could move back uh, depending on what happens with us and everything. And so even with those earliest possible dates, well, we're, right now we're talking about an earliest possible date of June 15th uh, for outside conditioning, non-sport specific. Uh, that's what the conference has kind of agreed to, MEC. Uh, the, the suburban has talked about allowing things to begin on June 15th as well. And then the MEC, we've talked about not allowing any indoor uh, or weight training or any sports specific activities until July 6th. And so that's probably what we're going to go by. But again, those are early as possibles. Uh, you know, we'll have to see what the situation is and we'll continue to monitor that with what the city does and with what the health department recommendations are. Um, but those are the earliest possible dates. Before we go back to that, we want to have a good plan in place. We want to have good protocols in place about, you know, how are we going to uh, monitor students uh, before they work out? What are we going to do to make sure we're maintaining social distancing? What are we going to do to make sure that we are, uh, you know, providing proper sanitation techniques between students using equipment? Uh, that we're making sure that we're, you know, if we do, once we do start to go back indoors into the weight room and stuff, what are we doing to make sure that we're maintaining social distancing in those situations? And so, uh, while I know some uh, some schools in the area are starting to go back a little bit sooner, uh, our plans are going to have to really be scaled uh, on a much larger basis. And so, uh, to come up with a plan to manage, you know, several hundred athletes in and out of weight rooms, in and out of activities, in and out of conditioning. Um, situations going to require a little more planning on our part than, than say if we were trying to manage 50 athletes or so. And so, um, so I, if, if the question comes up, you know, how come other schools or other districts are starting to do that? Um, I think it's great, you know, good for them and everything, but we, we want to make sure that when we do it, uh, we have a good plan in place so that we don't start up and then have to go, Hey, you know what, we need to stop everything. So then we can come up with a better plan. We want to have that good plan in place before we start in so that once we do it, uh, hopefully we can get, get into it and do it uninterrupted. Along those lines, I mean, you talk about the suburban and the MEC. MEC side of things, you guys are the biggest ones. I guess class four technically with Savannah, but the district wide, you guys are the biggest one, the MEC suburban, one of the smaller ones probably in the suburban. How do you kind of, I guess, manage that where 
Maryville has less kids or a Chillicothe. You guys have Benton and Lafayette sitting there. Things may change in St. Joe, but they right. don't change there. How do you – how is that a balancing act for you guys? Well, because maybe the conference is okay, but St. Joe's not? Yeah, and that was kind of the discussion with the, with the MEC superintendents. We've had a lot more in-depth conversation with them um, in that um, – you know, probably it's it's likely that St. Joseph and St. Pius, as far as the conference and the blonde, would be on the backside of when things opened up a little bit, just because of of being in a, in a, a city or urban area a little bit. Whereas, you know, maybe Chillicothe or Maryville, like you mentioned, are are able to return more quickly because of fewer cases in those areas. And so, that was part of why we wanted to put uh, an earliest possible date. Um, so that, you know, when we do hit those dates, those were dates the superintendents, I think, felt comfortable with. But when we hit those dates, you know, just because, let's let's use an example. Let's say that, you know, if, if North Kansas City was still saying, hey, we can't have any gatherings of more than 10 people or anything like that. So Pius wasn't able to do something. Well, if Chillicothe is able to do that, if they're able to start conditioning on June 15th, we want to let those kids get back in to start being in part of activities and things like that. And so kind of it was just the gentleman's agreement amongst uh, the, the conference teams that we would allow as of those dates, but obviously we're all going to follow whatever our local guidelines are at that time too. So, so it could be a, a possibility that some schools would start back prior to some other ones, but at least um, we, we felt like the dates that we put out there were far enough out that maybe that was a reasonable uh, possibility that we could all be back at that time. In most years, level playing field, I guess, is always the big thing, whether it's contact days, dead period days. Without an umbrella guideline for you schools to go off of, how complicated is this to kind of think like we talked about? Chillicothe, they could move forward. St. Joe can't. You get into the issues. I mean, this is down the road We get if we get down to where sports are continuing again. But I guess the, the balancing act of making sure that I guess everybody's ready to go, whether right. health, health and safety wise, but maybe some can't play, some do. I mean, there's just a lot left there, isn't there? Yeah. I, and I think too, I mean, obviously we're still going to have, you know, all the heat acclimatization guidelines are still going to be in place. Once we do start those things, uh, you know, it, it, football, you have some acclimatization guidelines. Those aren't going to go away. Um, the, the dead period in August, Misha hasn't gotten rid of that. So the, the dead period that first week or so of August from the 3rd to the 9th or whatever that date is, that's still going to be in place for everybody across the state. So there still is going to be a dead, a dead week in there for everyone, uh, no matter what. And so, um, you know, it, it, I, I don't know that I'm, I'm sure some, some people would disagree about whether or not there's a huge competitive advantage gained. Um, I think probably it, it's more important for our <laughs> – really it's more important to me for our people, our kids to be able to get back and be with coaches and be in those routines and be in those uh, situations where they have those good positive interactions with, with their peers and with their coaches and everything. That to me probably is a bigger piece of this than uh, are, are we losing a competitive edge? Obviously the competition part's important. Uh, but I, I think probably from, you know, some mental health standpoint, it's important for our, our kids to be able to get back uh, and, and get on those things. But again, we need to do those, uh, you know, with, with that thought in the back of our head. We also want to do it in a, in a safe manner, too. I'll probably use maybe Cannon quite a bit in a lot of these interviews because they were the first ones. But seeing the kids interact, 
you, you, like you talked about, just seeing the mental health, and that's what they talked about too, was getting the kids back together. Yeah, you kind of had to keep them apart from each other because maybe some have seen each other during this time, but a lot of them haven't seen them. How important is that from, from that mental health, emotional health? Because some of these kids may have been inside with technology maybe. Some may not have as much technology, but they may not be seeing anybody for the last six, seven weeks very often. Getting the opportunity to get them back, like you said, how important is that to get them just out with people again? Yeah, I, I, I think it probably has a, has a huge impact on, uh, you know, the overall health of our kids, not just conditioning, like I said, but from a mental health standpoint. And so I do think it's a big piece. I think it's, a, it's, I think it's probably been a challenge uh, for a lot of our students and a lot of our families during this time. Um, you know, no matter how much you like somebody, if you're stuck with them in the house every day, all day, uh, you know, uh, you, you might want to see someone different after a while. I might like chocolate ice cream, but after 25 straight days of it, I might want vanilla. So, um, so I, I do think it's an important piece, um, of getting back. Um, but how, how much of that, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know how to quantify that at this point. Um, but I do think that that's an important piece. And again, a lot of that, just, you know, that routine and that structure, I think is really important for kids. And, and, uh, the longer we go without having, uh, organized workouts and things like that, I think, uh, you know, the more out of touch our kids are with that, the more, the, the less structure they have for that. And, and I think it's important for them. It's important for them, like I say, from, from a, from a humanistic standpoint of being around other people, but, but also, you know, going back to your competitive piece so that they can start to prepare, uh, you know, for their upcoming athletic seasons. And final question just on this, we kind of talked about the, the numbers game that you guys will have to deal with is the amount of kids, whether it stays at 10, whether the guidelines are loosened up, just how much is that the impact of trying to figure all this out too? Just because if you only have 10 in a group, you can maybe have, I don't know, three, four groups at a school location, across gyms, outside, track, whatever. But how much is that playing a role of making sure enough coaches or right. enough, enough places, I guess, maybe more than anything else too? Right. And, and I, I think it's even – it's going to be less, I think, about coaches and more about the, the amount of time um, we may have to, you know, we may have to have fewer days but maybe longer hours. We may have to say – uh, we may have to break it into cohorts and say, you know what, we're, we're normally maybe we would have all kids work out, you know, five days in a week or whatever. Well, it may be a situation of, hey, group A, you're working three days this week, group B, you're working two, and then vice versa the next week. I mean, so that so that we can manage those numbers. And again, that's that's what I talk about the scalability piece for us um, that, that just, you know, it's going to be a little bit more to manage. Uh, you know, if, if, for example, you know, if at one of our high schools, we have, you know, 300 athletes that are wanting to rotate through the weight room, uh, you know, at a given time, well, if, depending on the space and everything in our weight room, if we only have the ability to have 15 students in the weight room at a time, well, that means you have to have 20 rotations to get 300 kids through, um, you know, 20 rotations, even at 30 minutes of rotation, that's 10 hours a day. And, and so, that, that may not be sustainable and viable for us uh, from a staffing standpoint. So we may have to do some things like that, you know, may, maybe five hours a day is sustainable and viable for us. Um, but maybe because we're going to have fewer students at a time, we don't need as many coaches supervising at the same time. So uh, 
we're just, again, those are the things that we're going to have to kind of figure out. Um, so that, like I say, we can, can get all of our students through and get them in and get them. But, uh, uh, it, it again, it, you know, it's that scalability piece. Um, you know, nobody has a weight room that's gonna that's gonna hold a hundred kids at a time right now. Whereas, you know, before we might we might run, you know, we might have fifteen stations in a weight room, and we might have three kids in a you know in a, in a group, and we might rotate forty five fifty kids in at a time, and that's just not going to be a possibility now. And so, um, figuring out that numbers game is going to be a challenge for us. And final question, I guess kind of this may change day to day, hour to hour still, but I guess what's the timetable of looking at kind of maybe getting the plan in place or kind of getting at least something set up before, like we talked about those dates already? Sure. Well, you know, June, June 15th was our earliest possible date. And so uh, really it's our goal to have something probably uh, we, when we put this out, we want to put it out collectively as a whole. We want to have a, a, a full plan so that it doesn't come out piecemeal. Uh, so that, you know, somebody doesn't get part of their information from this coach and somebody doesn't get part from this coach and everything. We, we'd like to have a concerted district message that comes out with those guidelines. And then obviously at each site, you know, at our three high schools, there are gonna be some specifics that they'll have to manage, you know, some, some logistics like, where are we allowing students to park? Where are we gonna do during this time? Where are we meeting up? Those are all the on-site logistics that we'll have to work those out too. But I would anticipate um, the umbrella plan that's going to be the, the the generic and basic guidelines for everyone. Uh, I would anticipate we'll have that sometime next week. Uh, again, it's one of those that we want to vet it through different different groups and organizations. You know, we need once we have a plan, we need to run through our maintenance department because how does this look for us as far as as sanitizing and cleaning equipment between and things like that. And, and we need to make sure that yes, if we're saying, Hey, everybody needs to use hand sanitizer after they've handled a weight, you know, then you know what, we need to have hand sanitizer stations available or uh, you know, we want to run it through, through our, our coordinator of nursing and make sure that she agrees that everything we're, we're doing there is, is in line with what the health department is recommending and all of that. So, um, so that that's that's where we're at. Um, we're working on that plan right now. Uh, anticipate us having it sometime in the next week or so. But uh, again, we want to take time and do it correctly so that we have a, a complete plan when we start. Awesome. Thank you, sir. All right. All right. No problem, man.